0: to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And hey, aren't you glad you're not a turkey this week? Or aren't you glad you're not the Rockets that were looking like turkeys just a few weeks ago after all our concern and our hand-wringing over their awful start? We're 16, 16 games into the season, and they're two and a half games out of first place in the West, and they're just two games out in the loss column. And uh, this is Robert, along with co-host of My co-host of five years and my friend for 30-plus years, RGCL. Happy holidays, brother. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you. And uh, speaking of Turkey Day, I was just thinking, like, uh, you know, if you were to give an
1: athlete kind of the Turkey Award, a Houston athlete, who would that be?
0: Well, I mean, if we're just talking about Rockets. uh, Carmelo kind of, he looked like a turkey, (laughs) didn't he? Uh, I, I, outside of him, I mean, I'm trying to think of. I mean, not, none of the Texans have looked like really turkeys this year, and we're gonna I, I, let's we get We'll get into the Texans later because I mean they've they've got the seven game winning streak, and you know everybody knows I do the the Locked On Texans podcast four days out of the week, but I, I mean it's you got the Astros. Everybody continues to make news. It continues to be interesting. And RG, as we record this Tuesday night, I mean, like I said, they're they're two games out of the two and a half games out of the West, the two games out in the loss column. But, I mean, the Grizzlies and the Clippers just down the street from you are both a number one seed. Can you believe it?
1: Well, I mean, right now, I think the bigger story in the NBA is just all about the discord with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, with uh, Kevin Durant and Willie Resign next year and Draymond Green, the Kevin Durant controversy and Steph Curry being out and – Just how can this team kind of rally together? I mean, we all still figure that they're going to be the best team in the NBA at the end of the regular season. I mean, along with the Rockets and Boston and Toronto and, uh, you know, can go through those other teams, Philadelphia. I mean, there'll be a handful of teams, but I mean, the Warriors, they're the juggernaut. They've won three out of the past four championships. But isn't that interesting to you, just kind of how they've at
0: least made the regular season a little bit more interesting? It's funny what Steve Kerr said after the whole thing happened. Uh, hey, w- welcome to the rest of the NBA's problems. Uh, that's what the Warriors, <laughs> actually, now that they're they're in the real NBA, not their sort of uh, fantasy team mode. But, you know, yeah, I, I'm curious to what you think. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like, ah, they're going to get it all together. What, what I This is what I will say. Uh, Kevin Durant's gone at the end of the year, and that means everybody else has a chance to win a championship after this year's over with, I think, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the Warriors are going to do everything that they possibly can to sign him. And so I wouldn't necessarily say he's out the door. He's gone someplace else. I mean, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, he's going to create that free agent frenzy that LeBron always did next summer. And so that's going to be interesting. But for right now, you have to still say as long they're the defending champs, as long as, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson are healthy, and then they add, they're adding Boogie, Boogie Cousins, of course, too. They added him to the roster this year, and and we'll see how they kind of their roster evolves throughout the season. But you have to say that they're the team to beat. They're in a league of their own. It's just interesting that they've made the regular season uh, more competitive. And like you mentioned, teams like the Clippers and and you know the Rockets getting off to a slow start. You just thought, oh boy, they're doomed probably for the number one seed, and now. You know, they put together a nice little win streak here. So it just made the Western Conference a lot more interesting. And this year, there's no automatic pass. I mean, maybe if Golden State gets to the finals, I mean, they'd still be a significant favorite against whomever they're going to play. But you have to look at the Eastern Conference now, and we discussed this a little bit last week. But, I mean, they have some – they have the really strong teams over there, and it's a weaker conference overall. The West is just deep up and down. It's a very tough conference, but it's Golden State – you know, maybe we're looking at the Rockets, hopefully getting back to where they were last year as one of those elite teams. And, you know, uh, maybe if LeBron and can add somebody else or, you know, the Lakers, somebody like that. But, you know, really, it's it's going to be interesting. It won't be an automatic like, oh, rubber stamp
0: the NBA champion as soon as they get to
1: the finals this year,
0: don't you think? Well, I just I'm going I want to go back to what you said about you mentioned Boogie Cousins. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if he's just the more expensive. He's kind of the the tuna fish to uh, of Carmelo Anthony to the, he's like the caviar version of Carmelo. You know, he's the expensive guy that just takes your team and you go, eh, you're kind of messing everything up, man. You're just, dude, you're messing it all up. You are messing up our offense. You're not doing what we like to do. I mean, that's where I'm curious about Boogie cousins, but yeah, I, I'm interested, like from, from your perspective though, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't see it like you said. Um, they're making it interesting. If they're healthy, like you said, I mean, I, what's what's different? They're 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 healthy. Maybe. You know, maybe the Rockets will get lucky and they'll have one of those fights after a, a, a game in the playoffs or something like that. If the Rockets end up playing Golden State in the playoffs again, I guess that's what you hope for. Like you're probably going. If you're Chris Paul, you're probably over there in Draymond's ear and saying, "Hey, like, hey, did you see what he did? Kevin Durant totally ignored you on that on that one. There, he was. You know, he he, he wasn't throwing you the ball.
1: Look, I mean, Golden State again. They they been in three of the last four uh, they've won three of the last four championships they've been in a title game for four consecutive or title uh, uh, series for the four consecutive years and so I mean they're they're one of the great all-time dynasties in the NBA so if if they're healthy if they have their their core four so to speak even and adding Andre Iguodala into that you know the fifth guy. And then you now you add Boogie Cousins again, maybe he is a little bit of a Carmelo Andy, but they, I, but they don't even need to play him really. I mean, they could just give him limited minutes and they'd still be dominant and be, you know, on track to win a championship. So it's, it's going to be interesting if they can stay healthy and if they can keep their head straight. And that's what, uh, you know, Steve Kerr has been an excellent coach over his time with the Golden State Warriors. So you would have to expect that you know, he'll have them focused and ready for the playoffs.
0: It's like we're looking for kryptonite in Superman, though. I mean, isn't this what we're trying to do? We're like, wait a yeah, second. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, it. It. I think the NBA is a lot more interesting this season because last season, I, I mean, we saw it. It was great for the Rockets, and they had a wonderful season, won 65 games, but everybody was just gearing up for, oh, Rockets and Warriors, and that was going to be the de facto championship, and they'd slaughter anybody who came out of the East. And LeBron was in the Eastern Conference, and he pretty much, you know— uh, found his way always, you know, in the Eastern Conference to get to the NBA Finals. Now he's left the Eastern Conference, and so that's opened it up. And now there are all these strong teams in the Eastern Conference with no LeBron in the way. He's in the
0: Western Conference now. So it just makes things a lot more interesting this season. Yeah, almost quietly. And it's hard to believe that he'd be doing anything quietly. But Joel Joel Embiid looks like he could be an actual MVP candidate this year. I mean, the MVP race is going to be... Very wide open, too. Uh, more, I think, more open than it's been in a while. Um, and with some guys that you know we haven't heard in the conversation, like Embiid and uh Giannis. And I mean, we knew Giannis was coming on, but it, it, it's going to be a, a fun MVP conversation. But going back to the Golden State thing, I, I think the one thing that, always, that made me laugh, RG, is when Draymond's getting mad at Kevin Durant's like man, what are you doing? You're look, you know, you don't care about us. You're looking at all these other teams and these, what are they? And you're, you know, you're more worried about your free agency. To me, isn't Draymond the guy who gets his wife by getting it or cheat on her husband? And then now that they're married, he's upset because, oh, wait, she's got <laughs> wondering eyes and she's making moves at other dudes. What, what's up with that? <laughs>
1: She's so saying Kevin Durant has a wandering eye there. Huh? So he's looking out for all the other uh, yeah, around the NBA. I mean, he is going to be the most eligible. He's going to be the bachelor. He's you know, everybody's going to say, uh, you know, hey, where, where, where are you going to have that rose at the very end? Right. So, I mean, that's that's what's coming up this offseason. So stay tuned for that drama. But, you know, getting back to basketball, it's 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 again, I mean, a golden state They're They're the cream of the crop. Uh, they're the best in the NBA and, and everybody else aspires to to be like Golden State. And I think it's good for the Rockets right now that they've had this winning streak. I mean, they finally we talked about it a little bit at the beginning here. They finally get rid of Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and, and again, that was something a lot of people said, oh, well, he never fit in. And he was kind of a malcontent and he was a uh, kind of a what clubhouse
0: or locker room lawyer That's type the you national know, media
1: like the national media. right right but I mean that really isn't what happened
0: I mean the national media is idiots I, I, this is what happened the Rockets weren't shooting the ball well and they were injured and then they were suspended and all of the above and now Chris Paul lo and behold look the Rockets look good when Chris Paul's back to hitting about 40 percent from three-point range and he's you know he's from the field. We're starting to see him inch up to his typical Chris Paul-like stuff. And, uh, you know, you've got Gary Clark that's uh, been solid the whole time, and and now he's starting uh, to matter as a a key part of the rotation. And, you know, whether he's up to being Luke Mbamute or Trevor Ariza, but, you know, P.J. Tucker... Uh, continue to be solid but just they look like they're communicating on defense they've narrowed the rotation it's not like they're playing games anymore and then you know somebody like gerald green who's basically stunk um he's becoming more and more like a ninth guy but he's a ninth guy that if he gets hot you could use him and and finally you know he shot a little bit better and eric gordon has looked a little bit better and 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 all these guys that just weren't up, just they weren't playing well, and I don't think it had anything to do with Carmelo Anthony. They just got off the bad starts for some reason, but a lot of teams got off the bad starts. I mean, I I talked about it. You go through the Western, look, the Utah Jazz, they're struggling right now. They still, I mean, they've had a tough schedule, but the Jazz, they're not the same Jazz team that we saw late last season. Uh, You got teams like the Kings that are looking good. I mean, teams that you're not expect to look good are looking good. It's just all this weird stuff. And I think a lot of it has to do you you don't have as much preseason. There's less of that. So maybe that has something to do with it, uh, just like we see with the with the Texans that we can get to later, that, that they weren't playing guys in the preseason as much, and it, it did matter early in the season that they weren't doing that. Well, you see that a little bit with less of a preseason, maybe some teams that are struggling. And like I said, the Clippers all of a sudden look good, or the Grizzlies look good in, in this deal. I mean, can they keep it up? You know, that's a, it's a real question mark. I think it's, we're still waiting to see how it sort of shakes out. I mean, we might be 30 or 40 games into the Western Conference before we have any idea where I think the East outside of Boston, I think you're kind of seeing what you're probably going to see. I think Toronto is going to remain a real front runner. I think Milwaukee's going to be trying to tail them a little bit. Philadelphia now that they got Jimmy Butler, uh they they're going to tail them and who knows, they they might have another move in them, but you know, that that conference, it's like there is this top four or five teams. And then there's all these other teams that kind of stink and especially Dwight Howard's Wizards. And then with the West. Well, hey,
1: I wanted to ask you about that, because speaking of teams that stink and, and the Dwight Howard's Wizards there and five and eleven, there have been rumors that uh, everybody's on the block over in Washington now. That includes John Wall, includes Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, any of those that you think the Rockets should be going
0: after? And if so, whom would you have the, have at the top of your list? Bradley Beal would be the only guy that would be in the conversation. Otto Porter is over way, way overpaid. Almost I think he's close to max level, uh, and he's not a max level guy. He's not a star player in this. He's not an all-star. So why are you gonna pay max level to a non all star? And then you know, he would fit with the Rockets and everything, but he's just I, I don't think Maury wants any part of His contract and John Wall. After this year, he's making forty million a year. I mean, yeah, he's he might be an all star in the East, but is he an all star in the West? Not really. And John Wall, to me, is just he's got all sorts of issues. He's a cancer that's an expensive cancer, not a cheap one that everybody thought Carmelo was. So, yeah, the only guy you want is Bradley Beal, and I just don't think the Rockets would have anywhere near the capital. To trade him. Well,
1: what what would you have to do to give up? I mean, obviously, you'd have to put Eric Gordon in a trade, correct? In this trade, he'd have to go. And then who else would you have to give up in any kind of deal to get, like, a Bradley Beal?
0: Yeah, if I'm the Wizards, I'm asking for, you know— James Hardeners. I mean, because oh, come on, that's not happening. The Rockets have no commodity except those first round picks that might not be. If you're the Wizards, they're going to be bad first round picks. I, I, if I'm the Wizards, but what about
1: Eric Gordon? That's a player that they could flip for more picks themselves if they were
0: to acquire him. You're not going to get a lottery pick though. I mean, if you're with the Wizards, you're on the con- you're you're talking with Philadelphia because Philadelphia has a pick that they've got that's a definite a definite or a potential lottery pick. Um, so I, I, that's, that's the team that I'm on the phone. I, you know, the, yeah, I guess the wizards are the wizards. So they, they're, they're, they're used to making bad moves, but I, yeah, I don't think you're getting Bradley and Bradley bills. The only one that you, that you really are, are super interested in. If you're the Rockets, I, I, I just don't know. To me, Jimmy Butler was way more appealing for the Rockets because you were going to get him on the cheap. He was he was your like flea market sale. You're not getting flea market for Bradley Beal. And that's the guy if if I'm the Wizards, you know, I'm doing everything that I can to to deal John Wall. I'm trying to get out of that contract because man, after this, it's like forty million dollars for the next four years for John Wall. And who knows if he's ever gonna get if it's ever gonna get into his brain to to be a good leader and and to to, to be a good teammate. And that's you gotta have a leader. He's a point guard for you know, geez.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just was uh, trying to see if the different trade scenarios painting different picture there. I mean, I understand about Otto Porter and and the fact that his contract is very high there, but he seems to be the perfect kind of guy for the Rockets because he's a three and D guy.
0: Yeah, I just no, nah, I mean, I I don't see it. I mean, uh, you know, there's nobody that. I would say on the Wizards, maybe I'll be shocked, but there's 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 probably guys with other teams. Well, you don't want Dwight
1: Howard back. You pretty much will make that pretty clear from the start.
0: <laughs> yeah, no thanks. No, Kent Kent Bazemore with the Hawks. That's somebody I still feel like that that the Rockets are pretty serious about. Hey, hey, speaking of deals, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip topics on you a little bit, but boy, the Astros with the major deal they get their new Marwin Gonzalez like it's the Marwin Gonzalez that's the new version it's like the new tide the new you know he's the this spackled up like hey can we make him into the new version but they get uh the uh, well, they deal a minor league pitcher Trent Thornton for um uh, do you say the name how does it go RG Alad Alad Aladmas DS how do you pronounce it Aladimas Diaz. Yeah, I, I guess. I, That's from, yeah, yeah, I don't even know how to say it, but this was. We'll call him the. Just new- call
1: him Ali. Give him a nickname already. Give him the A Diaz.
0: Yeah, just the new Marwin. How about that? <laughs> Last year, he played uh, 130 games with the Blue Jays. Two sixty three average with 26 doubles, 55 RBIs, seven fifty six OPS, three oh three on base, four fifty three slugging. Pretty close to Marwin numbers. A career high eighteen home runs and RG looks like an absolute steal this guy because well, I,
1: see, I want to take issue with that I saw you put that on Twitter how do you know absolute steal when the Astros gave up a pitcher that who could potentially be a rotation piece for the Toronto Blue Jays I mean I know that you look at the minor league numbers and you say oh my gosh this guy's got an over four ERA but he was pitching you know the Astros i mean you you're talking about the AAA you're talking about the Pacific Coast League so that's a lot more of a hitter friendly league and I, and i just want to bring up a couple of stats to you here do you know who this pitcher was in the minor leagues who in 2008 had a five uh, had a excuse me a 490 ERA then in t- 2009 he had a 456 ERA and then in 2010 before being called up to the big leagues a 349 ERA but collectively in the minor leagues had a, an over four. Year. You want to know who that was? That was that was Corey Kluber. And and he ended up winning multiple Cy Young Awards and is one of the best pitchers in baseball. So it's not to me. I, I mean, it's just a, to say that it's a steal or to fleece or when you're talking about a minor league prospect, you just can't do that because a lot of times it's determined upon what's their repertoire. What do they look like? You know, what what kind of pitches do they have? You know, what's their ceiling? And everything that I've read is, you know, potentially this guy's a rotation piece and he could be a middle of the rotation pitcher. So a middle of the rotation pitcher for a a guy who's a, you know, could potentially just be a backup player for the Astros. I mean, I want to just automatically dismiss, oh, it's Trent Thornton and he was – you know, he was going to be left exposed in the Rule 5 draft. I mean, we don't know. We have to evaluate trades down the road. So that's a little bit of my rant right here to you on saying, oh, that was a,
0: a steal right there. You mentioned Fresno, but, I mean, he, his ERA in other places wasn't good. He's 25 now. Yeah, you're right. He, he, he could be great. But I, I would also say that, I mean, you're you're dealing for a guy that is an immediate 25-man roster guy that can play multiple positions, that we know how important Marwin was to the Astros. And the other thing is, Trent Thornton, would you consider him in the top five, six, seven, eight, of the Astros, uh, minor no, league. I mean, I, I
1: wouldn't, but I mean, there, there've been guys that the outlook, the Astros let go of JD Martinez, you know? And, uh, I mean, he was, he had played on the major league roster, went and, you know, flourishes there. They like, they traded, you know, Ben over the years, they traded, I mean, Ben Zobras for Aubrey up. I mean, a different general manager than the case with Luno and, uh, JD Martinez, But, you know, I mean, it's just that baseball, it's, you know, you never know, like sometimes, I mean, with the the famous Rule 5 case, the guy who was left out of the Astros, Johan Santana, right? I mean, it was a guy that they left exposed to to the draft, and he goes on to win Cy Youngs for the Twins, and one of the great baseball pitchers, so I mean— you know, sometimes guys get overlooked in the minor leagues, or or guys just because of you know the Astros have a lot of talent. So you know, what, what what might be a top five player on another club with not as deep a farm system? I mean, as a guy who's in the ten to twenty range on the Astros, just because they're a deep farm system. So I mean, there there are a bunch of different factors there. I just think that you know to say all automatically, oh hey, the Astros got a steal here. I, I mean, you just can't say that about a trade. You know, uh. Especially about you know a guy who's who's going to be a, a utility player for the Astros, you know very well might be versatile, like you said he's the next Margot, and could very well contribute and help this team uh, as a member of the twenty five man roster i I just wanted so automatically dismiss what the Blue Jays did and say that Luno fleeced a team because we just don't know with a minor leaguer that's my point,
0: Well, you know me I mean, I was all about keeping Marwin and not having to give up anybody whatsoever and and I mean people were all up in arms on Twitter getting on me because I said, basically, like, look, uh, um, you know, this guy, he he might be regular season Marwin, but it's a steep hill to climb to replace postseason Marwin. And everybody said, oh, well, you can't do it based on the postseason. But, I mean, the Astros have a lot of guys that can hit and get you – uh, to the postseason and and pitching, a lot of times gets you there, but it's it's what what matters. And we know with Astros history, watching the Bijou and Bagwell era, that if if you don't hit in the postseason, you're not going to win a championship. So to me, you know that that's something that that I was looking at. Also, I mean, just one last thing before uh, you can comment on that. But you know, my my last part of that whole equation is people were like well you don't you, you know you don't want to spend all of this money well i don't know what marwin's going to get we still don't know what marwin's going to get on the open market and people were like well you know we you know it's it's a big deal because hey look look at down the road and whatever and you know if you get marwin on a deal that you're competitive with other teams and who's to say that if if you Give him something that's similar to other teams. Why would he go somewhere else? He likes it here. He wants to play here. He's got friends here. But you also have the chance, if you want to, if you get him on a deal that's not crazy, that you can trade him after a year or two. It's not like you've got to spend $15 million on Marwin for the next five years because you can always deal him. Uh, in a year or two, if, if you want to, but you've got a great window right now in this next year while you've got Verlander and Cole under contract. So yeah, I'm going to say it's a steal of a deal, but I'm also going to say, Hey, I would have rather kept Marwin and not given up anything to be honest.
1: I'm as big a fan as Margo as you as you are. I mean this guy was clutch. I mean I'll never forget the home run off of Kenley Jansen in game 2 that basically, you know, gave the Astros life and, you know, uh, eventually that helped them to win the uh, World Series and we saw it. I mean he's he's had clutch hits in the in the postseason. So you're right. I mean that's something. Uh, but but do you You look at his regular season numbers. He did not have as good a regular season this past year in 2018. And the Astros do want him back. It's been expressed that they want Marwin back, but they want him back at a certain price. He's going out. He's a free agent. He's testing the market. But it's said that he's, you know, almost every Major League Baseball team wants Marwin Gonzalez. So that means there's probably going to be a team or two that offers him an outlandish sum of money. And if he gets an outlandish sum of money, then he's not coming back to the Astros. He's going to sign that probably and go there where he can, you know, comfortably make his money uh, during the the prime of his career here. And the other thing that you said, well, if you sign a four or five year contract and get traded, that's not always the case. If if Marwin comes next year and hits, I mean, just you know, you hope that it doesn't happen. But if he was to hit two twenty, get injured. And then you're you're all of a sudden on the hook for this contract that's, you know, 65, 70 million dollars, 15 million, whatever it might be for a year for five seasons. Well, then he has no trade value because teams aren't going to be wanting a guy in his 30s that, you know, is already injured. And you can just say, oh, I might be able to trade him. You're going to have to either eat that contract, which means money. Or you know you're just going to have to sit on that roster spot and especially make other roster moves. So when you sign somebody, that's why teams don't offer the qualifying offer. That's uh, unless the players that they really want to have on the roster next year. Which is why with Charlie Morton, even you know with his 17 million there, the Astros want him back too. Bob Nightingale said. Charlie Morton, the Astros, you know, offered him a contract already. uh, And it would be for, I I, I think, for more than a year, a couple of years. But he still hasn't decided on that. He's testing the market, too. So the Astros definitely want some of their players back. Uh, The only person that they offered a qualifying offer to was Dallas Keuchel at uh, what the almost eighteen million a year that it is for the qualifying offer and he walked away from it. He's gonna test the market and he's probably gone.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I just disagree with you on the fact that I, I think Marwin's gone. I mean that Instagram post I think they told him as much, like they they figured he was gonna make there was a there was a low uh mark that he was gonna make and they just didn't. And it might be ten million dollars. And they just well, I,
1: look. I agree. He's ninety percent gone. You'd like say, oh, no, I mean, he's a hundred
0: percent gone now that they got they picked up this Diaz well, guy. I
1: want to live out a little bit of hope. You like you just said, if you ha- if he has similar offers in the Astros and he can come back for a year or two. And it's not that, but most likely he's going to get that. But I wouldn't just say automatically out of the question. uh, I mean, I want to give people listening a little bit of hope here. It's the holidays.
0: Well, there's an, and you said there's an injury, there's an injury risk with whoever you signed as a free agent. That's just baseball. But but
1: let me, let me, let me, let me respond to that before you say that, because it's like, that's why you have to assess for, look, Marlon Gonzalez is great as a, a player. He's been for the Astros. Let's go around the infield. Okay. Third base, Alex Bregman. Shortstop Carlos Correa, second base uh, Jose Altuve, first base Yuli Guriel, and then you have uh, in the outfield, they still want to give a chance to Kyle Tucker, he's still in the roster, he's still somebody left field. Then center field, you have I know their entire lineup, you don't have to go
0: through well, that no,
1: with me. right field. Then in right field, you have uh, Josh Reddick. So if, if, if the only way that I see him playing is like as a backup or you know, maybe you put some
0: time at DH or maybe you switch he, around. But he is what he's always been. He is what he's always been. AJ Hinch is going to use him like he always does. But if you're, if you're looking at
1: long-term deals for the Astros and you're looking at contracts and you want to still add pitchers this year, the Astros are trying to add pitchers. They're trying to add catcher. They're, They're trying to add other players around the roster. It's just, And then they also have to target and budget for the future, too, is like the, uh, the players and players getting raises through arbitration and then players signing long-term deals. It's it's just not that easy to say oh yeah spend fifteen or twenty million here because there's a luxury tax so I mean you you have to believe me the Astros have budgeted this out they know they've assigned a value to Marwin Gonzalez if Marwin you know if you know if that is a reasonable figure and they can come to an agreement then he's back but it probably is not going to be the case because there are going to be so many teams in free agency because he's a popular player, especially for National League ball. Can you imagine over for any team in the National League wanting to have a Marlon Gonzalez so you can just use for a variety of purposes? Uh, I mean, you know, he's really an indispensable type player. Yeah, well, I mean, again,
0: I, again, you, everybody, uh, there's just this big assumption between you and everybody else out there that, I don't know, he's going to get like $15 million over five years. And I just, I, I'm not... I'm not going to buy into that until I see it. Everybody thought that there was this market for all these other guys last year, and the market dropped out because there's only so many teams these days that are willing to spend money in free agency because there's only so many teams that think that they have an actual chance – to win the championship and if they don't they're they're like we're just not going to spend it especially on a utility player so I'm interested to see who's interested in see, them. See
1: I disagree with that too I disagree with that too because with somebody like Marwin Gonzalez if you're going to a National League team he could go to a team like the San Francisco Giants he could go to a team like the Atlanta Braves not necessarily there'd be big spenders for. they're not talking about the Bryce Harper and the Manny Machados that the New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Phillies and the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Chicago Cubs. and you have a limited amount out teams. Everybody in Major League Baseball, even if you're the Oakland A's, you could make an offer for Marlon Gonzalez because, you know, 15 million a year, if you want to spend that because you have young players or you're, you know, even if you're a mid-range team or you're a a, a team that maybe will compete in a year or two, if you sign him to a four or five year deal, then, you know, maybe by year two or three, then you know, he's a valuable part of your roster that you can you know, play at multiple positions and, uh, you know, that that's somebody that you can have on your roster and at for a good price. But for the Astros, the problem is the Astros are competing right now for just the reason that you said they have a lot of higher price players. And, uh, you know, they're wanting to add on to win a championship right now and their bigger players are coming due. So it's a little bit, you know, these guys that we've seen, like uh, Altuve's big contract kicks in next year. They probably want to sign at least one between, you know, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. They hope to bring somebody like that back. They want to go out and add other starting pitchers. We've already seen that. So that might that'll add payroll right there. They want to add to the bullpen. Uh, they want to be able to sign, you know, at least a few of their guys like Alex Bregman and George Springer, Corlos Correa, also uh, uh, to long-term deals. So it's just a lot of money, and they're, you know. Marwan Gonzalez is a great player, but to tie him up on a four or five year deal. You're right. I, I think if it could just be, hey, one year or two years, uh, you know, the, the, if they could come to some kind of a deal that way, that would be great. But most likely he's going to go out and get a four or five year deal from elsewhere.
0: Are you crying about Josh Reddick's contract right now? He's making 13 a million and he's still got a couple of years left on on his deal.
1: Well, I mean, I think he's on the downside. I mean, we've seen that, uh, you know, and and i 'm not crying about it because he helped the Astros win a championship. He was a very instrumental player on their record offensive breaking season in two thousand and
0: seventeen and and he he 's a solid contributor for the astros well, let, so let, let me just let me make my point Josh Reddick um, nobody made a big deal about that contract. Josh Reddick is basically his ops over the last couple of years is very similar to Marwin. Marwin plays multiple positions uh, Marwin has been more clutch, I would say in the playoffs than Josh Reddick has been. Uh, Marwin's value to me is much more. If you sign Marwin to a similar contract as Josh Reddick, and that's what I think he's going to get on the it's open market. It's
1: the timing, Robbie, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, to, They signed Josh Reddick before the 2017 season. Their payroll was one of the lowest in the majors at that point, so they had a lot of room to grow the budget. They did. They hadn't added on the big Justin but Berlander. My, my
0: point is that Josh Reddick is, is, is a much less dealable contract than Marwin, and like— Like I said, I don't think you – if you don't want to, you don't have to be stuck with Marwin – for the next four or five years at 15 a year, which is what I think he's going to get. But look at what happens. You're just
1: saying right now that Josh Reddick would be a difficult guy to trade because he's in the last two years of his contract and he's basically an average player right now or maybe even a below
0: average player in your estimation. And I think think Marwin would be easier to trade because much easier because he's a much more valuable player than Josh Reddick is. He's much more versatile.
1: But I'm saying if if next year if he hits 210, 220 and is injured, then all Of a sudden, you're on the hook for a guy, and we've seen that guys go off. They sign contracts, are in their 30s, and they start breaking down. I mean, that is a factor in it. You have to you have to put in the uh, you know, look. He's been great. He's been durable. He's been a guy that and and very well. He could play, you know, 150 games a year for the next five years. But it also is a a case in point when you're in your 30s, when you can start breaking down and getting injured, and 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 not being able to live up to that uh, contractual expectation. So. I mean, that's the thing about the Astros. They have to make decisions. They have to look at the roster. They have to say, this is where we have needs. This is how much we can allot money to it. This is what our future payroll is going to be in the years ahead because we have players coming due. So they're figuring all of that out right now, and they have to, make, they have to assign a value to a player. And you just can't throw – Wild money, especially at a guy that, look, as valuable as Marlon Gonzalez is, again, I like laid out the roster to you. He doesn't have an obvious fit. It's not like you say, okay, he's our first baseman for the next four years and we can pay him this money. He's, he's a guy who's a backup. He might not even play every day, you know, so he's somebody that's a luxury on a roster and he's been a great. Fit for the Astros because he's been economical, and that's why they went out and got uh, Diaz because it's somebody that can come in for a low price. Like you said, similar numbers to Marwin. We don't know what he does in the postseason yet, but let me remind you, the Astros had Steve Pierce for uh, in 2013 on that on that team. Was it two? I I think it was 2013. And, you know, he bumped around all throughout baseball, a journeyman and then comes to the Red Sox and he ends up being World Series MVP and having a bunch of clutch hits. So sometimes you can find guys out there that can, you know, come in, be your backups, come off the roster and do that. You're right. Some guys. Freeze in the clutch uh, in postseason on the bright lights, and then others flourish. But it's not like you can't go find maybe at the trading deadline or or looking at your. And we know that the Astros' core roster, at least. They've already shown that they can perform in the postseason. Alex Bregman, postseason star. Jose Altuve, postseason star. Uh, You know, go up and down. George Springer, you know, World Series MVP. I mean, they have the cogs in their lineup. Marwin's been a nice addition or piece to that. But it wasn't like when we looked at the 1990, late 1990, early 2000 Astros where we, uh, you know, as great as the players were on that roster where we could say, man, that, 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 that roster struggled in the postseason.
0: Yeah. As last year reminds us, though, you can never have enough guys that can hit in the postseason. And you can never have enough. Some of them could be off. Some of them can be injured. Sure, it might not matter because Diaz might be end up being a great postseason guy, like you said.
1: Well, the one thing I like about him, looking at his looking at his stats, is that at least you know, I mean, he seems to to not strike out a whole uh, a lot. So he has at least that you know part about him. I mean, his on base percentage is. Is all right, but, uh, you know, at least he, he's somebody that can make contact. So that's something that you always want to be able to see, especially, you know, in the postseason is just get the ball in play. How many times have we mentioned that? And and that's the teams that the, the Red Sox,
0: they were able to fight off pitches and, and get the ball in play. One of the big moves this week, uh, this past week, has been the Yankees getting a guy that you talked about in our last show, James Paxton from the Mariners. What did you think about that trade?
1: To me, that's a good trade for the Yankees. I mean, they're getting – and, and – Let's also preface this by saying that the Astros had an offer out there for James Paxson too. Uh and apparently uh John Morosi reported uh that that the Astros went apart with Forrest Whitley, their their top pitching prospect. And the Yankees ended up trading Justice Sheffield, uh and he was somebody that they got in the Andrew Miller trade, but it was you know one of their top pitching prospects. And so and they traded a couple of other players in the minor leagues along with him, But that was the main centerpiece of the package. The Astros went part with Forrest Whitley, but the Yankees did with Justice Sheffield. Now, Justice Sheffield projects as a I've heard like a two or three starter from some scouts. And and then also, uh, you know, I've I've also heard that he could be just one of those explosive pieces out of the bullpen if they decide to put him there. But for right now, you know, he'd be a rotation piece. So for Seattle. Uh, of course, they're looking to build now more for the future. They have other guys on the. They've already traded Mike Zunino. Uh, you know, they they have, have talked about Gene Segura maybe being dealt. You know, they're trying. If they could deal Robinson Cano. They would. I mean, they're looking to turn the page and and uh, you know, kind of rebuild and you know, be good in a year or two. So that's a competitor for the Astros in the AL West that's kind of downsizing this offseason. So that's interesting to me. But as far as for the Yankees, uh, James Paxton last year versus the Astros, 4-0 and, uh, you know, had a 2.05 ERA. So that, that's somebody that, you know, has already pitched well versus the Astros, and they know coming out of the American League that they're probably going to be facing, like, the Red Sox and the Astros. I mean, they want to win their division first. So getting another high-profile starter to go along with Luis Severino, uh, they still have Masahiro Tanaka on the roster. They still want to re-sign a Jay Happ, uh, whom they acquired last season. I mean, the Yankees are going after starting pitching, and uh, that's that's their their main uh, motive for this offseason. So that's kind of interesting to me that they got a really quality uh, left-handed arm. I mean, he really pitched well with C- Seattle last season, 11-6 and six with a 376 ERA and 208 strikeouts last season. So it's, it's just always interesting to me. The thing about Paxton is how will he adjust to the Bronx? We've seen pitchers go there, and they're not able to make it. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, but some some pitchers can't. You know, the, the bright lights of uh, Broadway aren't their thing, so— Uh, It'd be interesting to see if that affects him at all. And and then the other thing is that he's, you know, durability and and injuries. He's he's never uh, pitched, I believe, more than 160 innings in a season. So uh, when you start getting up to like, you know, 200 uh, inning workhorses and starting rotations and, you know, that's that's something
0: to, to look out for in the future. The good news is the Astros have got the killer because Ali Diaz, 10 for 15, against Paxton with a 1900 OPS in his career. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm totally making that stuff up. I, I, but yeah, that, that would be pretty
1: good. Cool. I was I was hoping that was true and not fake news.
0: <laughs> Any other
1: Astros stuff before we get to the hottest team at all of football? I wanted to may- maybe ask you, I mean, the Astros, of course, the rumors right here of everything that's been happening, but another rumor that's come out is that the Astros and the St. Louis Cardinals interested in, in, in Paul Goldschmidt, I believe that was Ken Rosenthal that reported that one. It was either Ken Rosenthal or Bob Nightingale, I believe, but uh, they reported that the Astros have already held like trade discussions about trying to acquire Paul Goldschmidt. I'm just wondering what you think he would mean or uh, I, you know, he's obviously the, the big bat on Arizona for many years and uh, he's actually a Houston native. So. Would that be somebody that you would want to add to the club? He had 33 home runs last season. Um, would that be somebody that you would yeah, left-handed bat that you would want on the Astros? Or is is that too much to trade away top prospects for a guy that, uh, you know, would just add to kind of a, a, a
0: strength on the club already, per se, if you're talking about at least uh, along the infield. You're giving up a lot for a guy that's got one year left on his t- contract. It's, I think it's 14 and a half is his base but after that he's unrestricted I mean that's given up a lot I mean I I, you know I I was shooting covering Paul Goldschmidt's games at the Woodlands back when he was in high school and yeah he's the Paul Goldschmidt's an MVP candidate every year but to me it's weird because you know this is a guy that is his position is first base and you know you, you got an MVP candidate but you you know, we got Tyler White, we got Yuli uh, Guriel, and I get it. Yuli might be, um, they might be moving Yuli around a little bit this year, but, you know, who knows? But yeah, I I, I just, it seems like a weird allocation of resources, especially when, you know, you're likely to lose him unless he's, you're going to spend a whole lot of money on him uh, the following year. And we're, we're, you're talking about, you know, how the Astros are going to spend money over the next few years and the right way to spend money. And, that's the, the one thing that I would say about that. I mean, I, you know, it seems like you'd have to give up an arm and a leg to get him, too. I mean, that, it's not just, you know, you, you get him for a year, but what you're giving up for over, over the long term is could be a ton.
1: I mean, last season, he has a career 930 OPS, even last season, 922 OPS, and again, uh, slug 33 home runs, 83 RBIs, uh, you know, 389 on base percentage. I mean, he walks a lot. So I mean, it's somebody that you know would be a really good fit in the Astros
0: lineup. He's a good fit in anybody's lineup, but the guy's freaking awesome. You no, know? I
1: mean he's a great hitter, but I mean the Astros are a right-handed heavy lineup anyway, and he would be a, another right-handed bat in that in that in that lineup. So from that perspective, I, I mean it would it would still be you know a, a heavily right-handed uh, lineup. I've been that's why when you know talking about with different sticks to add to the Astros lineup, and it's been more intriguing if. If Kyle Tucker can't make it, about what other left handed bats might be out there. Um you know, and then the Astros have been rumored, of course, looking for a catcher. So uh which kind of would you again trade top prospects for a JT Rio Muto? Would that be a direction that you'd want to go in? Or would you rather go out and, you know, sign somebody in free agency like a Yasmani Grandal or a, a what a Wilson,
0: Wilson Ramos that that are out there this year. I'd much more spend the money on a, a spend the capital, I guess, on a Rio multo because that directly changes an an order a position in your lineup from, you know, really mediocre, maybe bad to really really good. Where Goldschmidt, you're you're talking about something going from good to great. I mean Goldschmidt. In case people like sleeping on Paul Goldschmidt, he's been a top ten MVP candidate four out of his years in the major league baseball. Now he's, he's turning 30. That's another reason why I'm saying like in a year, are you going to throw a bunch of money at him? I don't know. But if you look at real Muto, you go to his contract. Uh, he still got three years or two years left of arbitration eligible. So you'd have him for two more years. And he's a catcher and, and he's aged 30. So then he's an unrestricted free agent, but You'd be paying for two years, basically, for Real Muto, or or paying in capital for two years with the with the guys that you would. Well, trade. I think
1: I know your answer to this, but it's been rumored that the Astros would have to trade either, uh, you know, Forrest Whitley or or Kyle Tucker as part of a trade package, plus their other top prospects, uh, in order to acquire Real Muto. I mean, I know I pretty sure that what you're feeling is on Kyle Tucker, not as sure as for, on Forrest Whitley. But would you, would you part with both of the guys, only one of them? How, how would you for a, a real Muto?
0: Yeah, I don't even think I could force myself into like a uh, Twitter tier over uh, trading Kyle Tucker for real Muto. So, yeah, I mean, you you know, I mean, Forrest Whitley, nah, he's not, they're not dealing him for real Muto or, or, or I don't even think they'd deal him for Goldschmidt. I mean, it's just getting a, a guy that's potentially a frontline starter with a, a pitching staff right now that has no frontline starters for years to come that are under contract beyond this year. It's a big deal. And and Whitley is a guy that, you know, I, it seems like uh, Jeff Luno, uh, he's sort of in love with that guy. I don't think he's going anywhere, but it, it's, it, I, it's weird. Like, I don't know what uh, Goldschmidt would get because, you know, he's only got one year left, but then you, you might be fighting with, uh, teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees or one the Cubs, some of these teams that are just like, we don't care. We're going to pay $300 million. It doesn't matter to us. He's like the Cubs. Now, actually I shouldn't say that because they're, they're not now all about being financially uh, concerned over some stuff, but you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, some of those teams might just say, screw it. We'll give it up. Cause we're going to sign them for years and years and years to come. So I, you know, I don't know, but yeah, Goldschmidt, he's, you know, he's great in the club. There's nothing wrong with Paul Goldschmidt. I, I mean, I, that guy I know is like great A plus good good guy. Um and then, you know, if I were if I were to sign Paul Goldschmidt to the Texans, I would force him into playing left tackle because that's my see that transition I'm and nah, I don't what, what, what Well I have one more thing to
1: add on like uh, I mean people are probably wondering like uh you know about uh Forrest Whitley and, and why the the Astros are just so and Jeff Luno's maybe so in love with him, but uh, yeah, He, but uh, not this past season, but when he came up as an under 20 year, year old prospect and, you know, he was drafted in the first round, he uh, had a 184 in ERA and in, in four outings at double A. And he joined Zach Greinke, Chad Billingsley, Clayton Kershaw and Dylan Bundy as the only prep first round arms this century to advance to that level in their first full pro season. So that's why, I mean, the Astros, he's always kind of dazzled and you put like those type of, you know, names, uh, alongside Forrest Whitley, uh, that that's the reason why I think Luno has a, a man crush. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think to, for in order for the Astros to part with them, it would have to be some kind of extraordinary return uh, back. So, uh, Anyway, that's, that was pretty, kind of much my
0: parting comment with that. Why don't people care about the Texans in Houston? Why aren't they excited about them, man? I mean, I, I just don't see the buzz. I don't see the the teams won seven in a row. I mean, I understand that it's not like they're crushing people. It's not like they've got the exciting offenses of the, the Rams or the Chiefs or the Saints or whatever, and, and maybe you feel like, well, eh, they can't win a Super Bowl, so who cares? But, I mean, I mean, this was a team that was 0-3, and they won seven in a row and, and everybody, you know, was like all upset when they were 0-3, but then they went seven in a row. It's like, well, but you're not winning the way we want you to win. I, I you know, I don't understand it. I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating to me as a fan, fan base because, you know, at times you just got to gotta go, hey, we got, we got a W. Who cares? You know, I mean, I, I, I'll pick them apart on my Locked On Texans show, um, but it doesn't mean I'm not excited about the fact that they're winning football games.
1: I'm not there like you are and following and covering the team and and getting the pulse around town. But I I would just say that I, you know, I think that part of it must be that, you know, the, after the euphoria of the Astros winning and the Rockets getting so close to their championship and, you know, the Texans have all they, you know, for the past several years, they, they are for most of their existence, they've been Houston's number one team. And, Uh, You know, they they've had a lot of disappointments. And then even last season, when, you know, all of a sudden you were maybe starting to get excited with Deshaun Watson, everything then he has, of course, a torn ACL and the season's pretty much over and they limp to the finish. So uh, this season, yeah, they start off 0 and 3 and everybody's the same old Texans and they win seven in a row but we we watching these games if you watch the games and then you watch a team like everybody watched the Monday night game uh there was a scoring fest the 54-51 uh, Rams and and Kansas City Chiefs and you see two offenses going back and forth and two great teams in the NFL this year and then you watch the New Orleans Saints the way that they kind of eviscerate opponents and then you look at you know uh, the New England Patriots and teams like that, you know, you, 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 uh, even the Steelers. I mean, you wonder like, can the Texans really play with those type of teams? Granted, they, they, they had opportunities if they played better in their first game of the season to beat uh, New England. But this team could—they've been in every single game. It's almost come down to the wire, except for the Miami Dolphins game. So, I mean, this team could easily be, you know, nine and one or ten and zero, even, or they could be one and nine. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just a, a one eight and one, whatever you want to be. I, you know, it's just like they, it, that. I think that's what's kind of a little bit maddening. Is there a, you know, they haven't had really dominant performances and where the offense has looked just, you know, com- completely electric on all cylinders. And, you know, uh, they they've just been kind of like. Uh, been able to find a way to win, but uh, that being said, what you just what you just mentioned right there—that's an important thing. You know, uh, that was the old Al Davis line: "Just win, baby, just win." And there, the and and somehow you start building up confidence, and you, you start winning, and you win close games. What do you start thinking? You start thinking, "Hey, we're on a close game. I think we can win it." And then you have these teams that have been winning games by three or four touchdowns that haven't been in a lot of close games. Well, the Texans have, and they know what to do. And Deshaun Watson, as we know, you know, this guy loves to perform in the clutch. So you're talking about clutch performers earlier in October with the Astros. And, you know, that's what you want to look for. But we know that Deshaun Watson in his collegiate career and even in his NFL career, he likes to have the ball in the waning seconds and do something magical with it. So, I, you know, I, there are two ways or two sides of this coin, you know. So maybe in the weeks ahead here as it gets in the Texans' Can clinch a playoff berth, and that's why the, I think this upcoming game against Tennessee it's huge. I mean, take a bigger lead in your division, knock off a divisional opponent, uh, kind of like you know start looking towards you know wrapping up the the AFC South, where, you know,
0: continuing this winning streak. Yeah, you you just said it. I mean, Deshaun Watson. That's another part about this is you got to think as a Texan fan if if we can keep it close somehow. Uh, Deshaun Watson, unlike quarterbacks that we've had in the past in the playoffs. He's a big-moment-type player, and let, let's see what Deshaun Watson can do in a big moment. It, it seems like uh, so far in his life and his career, he's done really great things when it's mattered. He's won a championship in high school and won a championship in college. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's something that Texans fans need to keep in mind. I get it. They're not as good as those other teams right now, but this is the NFL, RG, and Patrick Mahomes' twist an ankle or you know something happens— with uh, Tom Brady, which the guy's like 4 million years old at some point, you know, father time's undefeated at some point, somewhere along the line, he might actually get hurt. You know, it, it, this kid, it can't go on forever, you know? And so if, if, if somebody gets hurt, a guy gets hurt here or there at Ben Roethlisberger, he's had a, a history of getting hurt. So, you know, let's see about him. And I think that, I think the Steelers are not on the same level as say the chiefs are, or even the Patriots in a way, but you know, We'll see. I mean, I, it's it's one of those deals where you know it's it's it, yeah they're, they might not win, but this is not Major League Baseball where it's best four out of seven. The, the Texans, you know, it's maybe you win two games and all of a sudden you're in the AFC Championship games. First time we we would see that from an NFL team in Houston, and since what 1979, it's 39 years ago, something like that. So. You know, just that's it's it's all it takes in sports is an injury or two. So if you just want to put your you got to put yourself there. And it's not like um, the Golden State Warriors where, you know, if one all star goes down, they got three more. Patrick Mahomes goes down. Uh, the Chiefs offense might look a little bit different. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: I don't want to root, root for energies and, uh, with any team. I mean, I, I want to see, I, I always like to beat a team at their best. I mean, that was the same thing like, you know, last season with the Texans, you hated seeing their stars go down or seeing, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers go down and uh, for the Green Bay Packers, then Brett Hundley's in there taking snaps or, or, you know, with Deshaun Watson, such an electrifying quarterback, he's so great to watch and Patrick Mahomes too. And these young stars in the NFL, just want to be able to watch them on a weekly basis. But getting back to your point there, yeah, I mean, that that that, uh, you know, take that out. Even even with Patrick Mahomes in there, Kansas City's defense this season has given up a lot of points. So that's the one thing. I mean, if if the Texans can get their offensive going, if they can find a way with the running game, maybe even getting Deontay Foreman back here to where they can, you know, constantly get time of possession and then have Deshaun Watson throwing to, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Kiki Kute and, uh uh, Denarius Thomas and the others get the offense really going here. The last part of the season, I really feel like the Texans have at least one of the better defenses that, that they could match up in the playoffs, you know, cause JJ Watts been playing out of his mind this season, like an NFL defensive MVP. We've seen Jadavion Clowney when his mind's into it and, and just the talent that he has. And, and I really have been impressed with Justin Reed and the secondary. And, you know, uh, it, they're just, uh, you know, reasons to be optimistic about the team. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think it kind of just comes down to, you know, uh, you know, just getting into the playoffs, winning and and, the, and at, you can't even at this point, I mean, it's very doubtful that the Texans will end up with one of the top two seeds. Uh, but right now they have the same record as the New England Patriots, the Patriots have the tiebreaker. But now they're one step closer to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs have two losses. The Texans have three losses. So, you know, Texans, if they just keep winning and winning and winning, I mean, you never know. I mean, they could end up with, uh, you know, uh, one of the top two seeds and then get a buy and be in the second round uh, you know, without having to play that first round game.
0: Yeah, just a reminder, you know, something that you think about, you know, so how do you beat a Kansas City Chiefs team if you're the Texans or a team that's not one of these offenses that's going to score 50, put a 50 spot on you or something like that? Well, you know, I think back to the Super Bowl where the Giants played the Bills. You, you hold on to the ball. You turn it into a ball control game. And, you know, you, you might look at the Texans offense And say, well, they're not a ball control team, but the Chiefs' defense—it's not exactly a great defense. So it's not—they don't have this great line that's gonna, oh, they're gonna shut you down or something like that. And there have been times this year where the Texans' offensive line has looked good and the running game has looked good. So you know, you play a ball control game and and you turn it into less possessions, meaning less opportunities. And Patrick Mahomes, even they—even though they scored fifty, the Chiefs against the Rams. He he looked sort of human. He made some bad throws. He turned the ball over. He fumbled the ball. We know J.J. J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney can run run him down as good an athlete as he is. We know that they can cause fumbles. We know that kind of thing can happen in the NFL. So, you know, if there is a game plan, that's what I go to. I go to... Oh, there's no way that that Giants team with Jeff Hostetler. I mean, they had a backup quarterback for that game, and and they had a a, a not explosive offense going up against that Bills, and it was Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed and Jim Kelly, and they were they had guys all over the place that could put points on the board, but guess what? They they turned it into a grinder kind of a game. And the, the, the kicker got involved, which is, you know, that's all part of the process. And, you know, the Chiefs have got a good kicker, but it, you know, that's all it takes is that one miss in a crucial situation and you win the game. So that there, there's your formula. There you go, RG. That's how you, they can do it.
1: Yeah. And today's NFL, after watching though, that Rams and <laughs> Chiefs game, I mean, those were two teams that just like flying back and forth. there. it was like literally watching like Madden, you know, football on, on screen, you know, so it was like a video game, but Uh, Yeah, I mean, to to your point, I think that would be the way I think we've seen that from Bill O'Brien. Look, he wants to run the ball. He wants to establish the running game. And, uh, you know, that's that's especially I'm I'm hopeful that Dante Foreman can get back. And uh, he started practicing again. He's on his 21 day window. Correct. You know more about that than I do. Uh, But uh, if he can get back in there and show what he did last season, that adds another fresh pair of legs uh, down the stretch run of the season that you can rotate with Alfred Blue and with uh, Lamar Miller. And then you, again, uh, to me, it's like being a D- Deshaun Watson has a security blanket with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, I just hope Kiki take can uh, continue to stay in the lineup. And then, uh, you know, you, you picked up Denarius Thomas so that you can get those first downs or you can get those uh you know red zone scores and and but you also will be able to have the time of possession and then you can you know keep your defense fresh too uh so i mean there's just a lot of things that hopefully the texans un- under Deshaun Watson here can keep progressing and uh you know that they can build upon this seven game winning streak and and see where it takes them
0: yeah i guess just uh, i would just tell everybody i know everybody wants to put you know if this is thanksgiving the texans Bill O'Brien, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt—they're all stuck at the children's table. We don't want to, you know. Let's put them over there because, you know, look at the Astros and the Rockets and blah blah blah. You know, let let them come over, you know, enjoy, enjoy it with the with the nice glasses and not the paper plates and stuff like that. That hey, the Texans, you know, be be nice to these guys. I mean, come on, they, they've got seven in a row. Uh, anything else before we close out, RG, any f- last thoughts? Are you going to be watching some of
1: the college football games this weekend? You have any that you have your eye on for uh, around the Turkey or the NFL games. Do you uh, have any that you're going to be uh, Thanksgiving day that you really are dying to watch?
0: Not really. I mean, I, I, the U of H is, it's been disappointing because they, they've they struggled towards the finish line and you don't get to watch Ed Oliver anymore because, you know, he's saving himself for the NFL. I mean, if you're, an Aggie fan, it's, it seems like the same Aggie story, you know, maybe Jimbo Fisher has got it going towards in in the right direction. If they beat LSU, maybe you're excited about next year and, Oh boy, you won, you know, you're number two in the sec East or something like that. But, you know, in the Longhorns, you know, they, they, they've, eh, I mean, UT, if it's not national championships or people in the Orange Care, RG, or are you excited about playing Kansas in their their last well, game? I mean,
1: it would be a, it would be if that if Texas can win. There's a path to playing in a championship game there, uh, you know, so to get to the big 12, 12 championship game and playing that and then have, you know, the opportunity to, you know, seeing what happens with Oklahoma and West Virginia and all of that, that you know, that would that would be, uh, you know, I think after what happened losing to Maryland and then losing those close games to, to West Virginia and, uh, Oklahoma state, I mean, it would be a, be nice to get there. And so, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, when you had national championship aspirations, but, but realistically that was probably a stretch, especially in a year where, where uh, Alabama seems like an NFL team that just is pretty much like crushing every single opponent. Uh, you know, that. uh, you yeah, it would have been nice to get to the final four, but uh, I mean, still Texas. I mean, if they can do that and have a successful season, get a bowl win, that would be good, too. But so are, are you going to watch anything on the Thanksgiving Day? Do you care about that Cowboys Redskins game now that the NFC East is uh, basically <laughs> turned into a kind of a chaos division this year?
0: Nah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'll they'll be on. That'll be on the football games will be on. But, I, you know, it's there, there's it's it's pretty bad NFL games this Thursday. I mean, I just, I guess the final word I'll just say, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, RG. Uh, I mean, it's just, I'm thankful to be a Houston sports fan at this point because, you know, we, we've talked about this, I think last year, but this year, you know, now the Texans uh, look to be a playoff team. It's a, it's a really, really good odds that they're going to be in the playoffs this year. So we get to see them in the playoffs and you get to watch DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney every week. And, you know, with the, with the Rockets, you know, they're a team that is talked about as a as some team that can knock off the Warriors. And not many people are in that conversation in the NBA. And you've got Chris Paul and James Harden and you've got a great coach. And then, of course, with the Astros, I mean, they had a one hundred three win season. They won the World Series last year. Uh, we like the way that the, the the management is set up going towards the future and, and the players that they've got, and of course you know Springer and Bregman and Altuve, and we get to watch all, all of these guys and and just I mean and Correa and Verlander and Cole. I mean it's just, it's a it's a flood of riches, you know, if you're a Houston sports fan, and just you know just very thankful for that. Wishing our listeners a happy Thanksgiving, and we, we also hope that you know, maybe just to show some things for us, Hey, go on iTunes, uh, write something nice there, write a nice rating for us. Uh, tell us that you're enjoying the show over there. It's a great way to, to tell us that you're enjoying the show. And also it, it, it makes people want to listen to us and it helps people find Houston sports talk a little bit. It's, it's just, uh, it's something that helps us out. Uh, if you can do that, go tell your friends as well, let them know, uh, that we're out there and, uh, that you enjoy us if in fact you do, but, uh, Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook, or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.